This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 385 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Busco and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 5-2 win against Eintracht Frankfurt on match day one of the Bundesliga and we will preview tomorrow's Super Cup match against FC Bayern for that and more joins me the pundit of Sport1 TV on Hungary and obviously the writer of the Bundesliga Bulletin. I'm very glad to introduce you, Abel Mescheros. Welcome to the show, yet again. It's good to have you back. How are you doing? Thanks. It's good to be back, Stefan. Uh, missed, uh, you guys missed being on the Yellow Wapad, and uh, it's a good start of the uh, Bundesliga, and probably even a great start of the Bundesliga season if you're a Dortmund fan. And um, you know, happy to be back and uh, talk about it, uh, the Frankfurt match, and preview the Super Cup with you. Yeah, it was a good, interesting game. The uh, 1-1 against Gladbach, you know, could argue in either way that uh, one or the other team could have, should have won this. I think uh, Jan Sommer had some excellent saves. And on the other hand, <laughs> Gladbach maybe should have had one or two penalties. Um, but courtesy yeah. of VAR, that did not happen. Uh, Mainz had a one win against uh, Leipzig. And of course, Dortmund uh, starting out of the gates in the top spiel uh, quite well as well. Uh, minus maybe that uh, pass luck on goal and that set piece goal. But uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Obviously, uh, <laughs> it was the seventh time Borussia Dortmund did win their opening match in a row. Uh, last season, I think match day two then uh, was where the cold shower occurred with the 2-0 defeat away to Augsburg. Um, obviously, before Dortmund do travel to Freiburg to uh, maybe do better than last season in match day two. Um, there's the Super Cup. But Abel, um, it was a very interesting game. New coach, uh, obviously totally different lineup. We had uh, the absence of Meunier as a right back. Lukas Pischek is also out. So we had Felix Paslak starting as a right back. We had uh, Axel Witzel starting as a center back. And then Manuel Akanji as the only healthy real center back right now uh, next to Nico Schulz. And then obviously we had this midfield diamond for a while. Uh, and up top we had uh, Haaland again. So uh, what what did you make of this first setup, which I think was a little bit tailored to what Frankfurt fielded? Yeah, Lukas Piszczek is very out. He's like retired out, but he's like out and gone. But <laughs> like, um, I thought like it was it was so it was interesting. Like I was thinking about what Dortmund would play because they played the diamond in most of the preseason matches and and. And but I think like knowing what um, you know Marco Rosa and his staff do, they're they're very flexible, and I think like flexibility was was a was the key for for this match. And um, it definitely looked like a four three three with a ton of variations. Where like there are various during various points of the match, it was it was a diamond with Royce sometimes dropping back between Haaland and Hazard. Um, it was also sometimes like a like a four one two three um where where but basically the, i think the basic idea was um to stretch frankfurt with azard who always kept the width on the right side yeah i was gonna just just say this is probably the the key tactical ploy of yeah. this game that uh dortmund mm -hmm. accounted for costage with hazard yeah i mean it's not like super deep thing that if you ever seen like frankfurt you you know that kostic doesn't <laughs> no but still like, i think we should on talk a good about day it. on a good day he's not like uh he's not an ambitious defender it was a pretty bad day like i i i rewatched it uh just before the podcast and like about 20 minutes in i, I have like six different scenes where he just doesn't try or like so the basic like what frankfurt tried to do right in terms of uh, their pressing, which which uh, under guys, and I think maybe a little bit different than than what used to be under Adi Hütter, but they play this really really narrow like five two one two or five two two one depending on how, who presses. But what the problem with that is that like the way Dortmund played is is, is keeping Hazard 
always pinning back Kostic or sometimes dragging out Indica when, when Kostic would go up to press. And Frankfurt would usually press with the ball side um, wing back. So like Da Costa, if it's on the left side, Kostic is on the right side, would always press. But the other one then would have to tuck in. Now, I think like Kostic did some of that, but he wasn't particularly alert. So you could always play the ball in behind him. And Dortmund did a good job of putting Reyna or Bellingham into the half space and having Hazard keep the width. And then you always had Haaland. And, and Frankfurt was very clear about always double-teaming Haaland, which, you know, even still wasn't enough. <laughs> so as a result, they couldn't really press much. And particularly where they couldn't press much is the wide areas. So what that meant is that Dortmund anytime could just get wide, particularly to Paslak's side, and he was really, really good at pr- progressing the ball. I mean, even the game began, right? Like with this one-two that he played, there was a couple of times where he just like blasted by Kostic, a um, couple of times where he played good passes. So it's like, it's unfortunate. I think I think when you just casually watch the game, you think, okay, it was a pretty bad pass-luck game. But I didn't actually think like, you know, he had like one other turnover and the own goal. But other than that, he did a lot of good stuff sort of attacking-wise. And and even in the first, you know, seven, eight minutes when, when you know, Dortmund had those had those chances, um, which had the one that Haaland just missed, like in general, I thought that the setup of Frankfurt just wasn't going to hold because they couldn't generate enough pressure so to to against build-up. And Dortmund always had extra ideas, like, like the Royce's role is something we'll, we'll talk about, I'm sure, of how he was able to come back and, and be the extra guy. Uh, and then they were always pinned back. So so basically four or five, depending on situations, were back. And then they also did have the legs in midfield, like Hasebe was so overrun with, with, with so as well. And it's not like, you know, Kamada and Barco are going to be like these pressing monsters. So I, I didn't think that was like necessarily a good plan. And you certainly saw in the second half when they switched to like a 4-1-4-1 that they had like a good spell and probably could have come back into the game and then they got blown out. But yeah, it was just, it was just also like a really dominant Dortmund performance uh, in terms of the build-up part, which is a work in progress, but it gets them into transition, which is what you really want to do with this team. And you saw that what happens when you make a mistake, like Indica did, that you know you get Haaland, and and then he just runs at you, and then then it's game over, right? And then that's what happened. That you had the I don't know, was it seven minute spell? I think uh, in early in the first half, where uh, where basically uh, you know uh, yeah, it was like the I guess eleven minutes, and then the own goal. So it was like twenty third to thirty fourth minute when. Seemed like the game was over, and then Dortmund could have probably piled on more if it wasn't for the, the Kevin Trapp, like one of the all-time dumb goals <laughs> that got called back, and some other things. So it was it was a crazy first half. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the um, the pass like on goal was a little bit unfortunate. Obviously, um, if we talk about the, the the first goal that Dortmund scored, uh, that Marco Royce did score. Um, it was kind of funny that uh, Andika sort of had a play just similarly right before where he actually managed to dribble just through two players and then the next time uh, uh, Dortmund yeah. players just closed the middle and he got stuck trying to do the same trick and then, uh, yeah, uh, I would say Frankfurt literally got overrun because uh, when Haaland made the sprint to the inside of the field, uh, who was it? Was it ha- Hasebe? Yeah. Who just tried to like? I think it was Hasebe. Yeah, yeah who, who looked, tried to tackle him and just. He looked every bit as old as he is. Yeah, I mean, other players have tried that too to tackle him from behind, like Kimmich, and then just you know picked up an injury. So it's actually quite dangerous to do that. You know, I wouldn't yeah. recommend. I also like yeah. the um, the little run that uh, Royce did to sort of uh, guide uh, yeah. Ilzanka more to the middle first, and then uh, go go to the left again to to receive the pass and uh, yeah i think this is the most uh, classic marco royce goal of the, all the goals he scores when it's mm-hmm. a pass into the the left side of the box and he just sort of uh, crosses it over to the far post with his left uh foot so yeah yeah, yeah. that was fun I almost, like i almost felt i almost felt like you know haland is obviously and rightfully getting all of the plaudits for I think it ended up being two assists and the the yeah I would say the, uh, the third for right two now, goals, to be honest. But, but I think one of them yeah 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 but um but I and obviously like the the the, the carrying in in the transition and, and the setting up of players which it's not something that I think we really saw from his game so that's it, that's a nice addition but I think at the same time like 
we should talk more about Royce as like the guy under Rosa who is huge, you know, like a different player. And, and, and it's, it, it, it's like, it kind of reminds me of like a, a super version of Thomas Miller in the sense that like, <laughs> he's everywhere. He's always like the plus, the plus, the, the extra man in midfield. He's during transition and he makes all of these, like, like the, the, the pass that he made for, um, I think it was, the second goal I want to say to where Holland. like just how quickly he he makes yeah he made this like you know it was like I think Bellingham was running on it but um there's just this vertical ball that that he played that was just insane because just the, the recognition that he has there so that because because I think you know like Dortmund always have this get out of jail free card with with you know Cobell playing the ball up to up to Alan now but um <laughs> just that ability for for you know like and then Haaland actually, what, what I thought was where he was even more impressive is, is just these aerial duels because like that's not something that he's super great at, right? Like, um, but but he just seemed to have like he's getting better desire or yeah yeah he is and that's scary <laughs> like it's scary that like he's adding the, because like you know you know that physically he's gonna outmuscle you in in in, in space right? But, but I now think he's he actually was fouled a lot like, too and and that was those were yeah given. yeah yeah. But back to yeah, Royce, actually one, one question, you know, uh, thinking of, of mm-hmm. you know, watching Royce these days in the in the form he is in, um, do you think this is the best version of Marco Royce we've ever seen? I mean, you have w- followed Dortmund for decades huh. too, and it's obviously a very uh, yeah. tough debate to have, but I, I just wonder, you know, with all the experience he has and uh, the intelligence he's making, obviously he's a bit of a different player now than he, he used to be, but I yeah. I really like this version of Marco Royce, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think there was like a couple of days ago there was a video kind of celebrating his Bundesliga debut, I wanna say. And then like, I had all his goals and then and I just kind of, you know, nostalgically played that hit hit Terrible play. And, <laughs> um and then you Yeah, yeah, but 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 you know, I think I think the just 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 his, his resounding quality quality then was was speed and obviously the intelligence movement but were already there, but but just and then like he doesn't have that anymore in the sense that it's not, you know. It's not like blistering or yeah, he doesn't you know, have to like stumble Holland dribble anymore and, like he used to have. Yeah, right, right. But but uh, where he's picked up is is the intelligence. I mean, there's there's so many of these situations where you know, like I think there's like the one in the thirty second, thirty sixth minute where he comes back and like receives the ball in the sixth spot and then moves back to center back because that's when he can. That's when you know that you know you can't follow them there or like he shows up just beyond. You know the so Frankfurt are pressing in like a three four one two, and then he shows up beyond the back three and uh, the midfield four because you know that Haaland is spinning the back threes with, with Hazard, so he's going to be an outlet there. Or he can show up wide when um, he sees that uh, the play is coming to Nico Schulz, and he's going to get pressed by a wing back, and the wing back is not going to get there because it's a large distance, and he knows like Ilsanker is not going to come out there. So. There's all these things, that, and, and 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 these things are are, are not like I'm sure these are um, somewhat automatized in terms of you know training, but some of them I think are just like Royce recognizing space. Yeah, and yeah. that that's the part that which is which is scary. And then like, I think I think there's also the layoff that he had for um, for one of the goals, which was crazy. Where I, was it you that tweeted that this is Marco Royce's goal? I mean, just so many of these little things where... Yeah, where, that was where, uh, when Hazard know, scored like, the, the second one where he yeah. had this uh, layoff on mm-hmm. the turn where yeah. either I think yeah. uh, Reyna or uh, or Haaland could have gotten to it and he just completely uh, switched the angle on, on Frankfurt and basically that unlocked the entire play. It, it was an insane goal anyway, with I think starting with Witzel in the box or how... However, mm-hmm. I, I yes. can't even really talk you through it because there were so many stations. But uh, yeah, and an, an amazing goal. I think the second goal that Dortmund scored was probably the best one of the day, even though um, mm-hmm. it did get a little deflection, which uh, is a bit of mm-hmm. a minus point on the on the style. Overall, what I thought was like really interesting and, and what's been great about Rose's Dortmund is that they're playing with so much more attacking risk. Like just even the rest defense, like there's a really good example from the eighth minute when like uh, it's, 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 they have like a shot. I think it's, it's, it's from a chance. And then they kind of Frankfurt are trying to run this counter and Akanji like breaks up the play 
with Witzel really the only guy at the center circle, at the edge of the center circle in the opposition half. And Akanji is like way out in front to tackle, I think. Yeah, it was like a Hummels play almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's this sort of forward defending, which you didn't see. And But there's other times when, when Dortmund just really got back into their defensive block in transition. The, the organization was really good. And... That for for like for that was the other thing, and then then just to, with 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 Royce, I, I also think the setup with this idea of Tahoud is is pretty much the only guy who stays as the holding guy, and then you have Bellingham who can show up. Like Bellingham and Royce have a really good sort of positional flexibility in terms of you know when Royce drops deep, it's kind of the sign for Bellingham to to make a deep run, and Reyna makes a lot of these runs into the channel, so. That's really, really hard to have, you know, like kind of like the younger legs, but also Royce is still dynamic. And then obviously each of those guys is still a very, very good one-on-one -on -one player. And when you have to worry about Aland and when you have Hazard pinning the, the the one side, it's it's a lot. Like that that's like, you know, it's basically your entire back five and midfield. And then then you also have to commit some people to, to pressing. So it's really, really hard to deal with. And I mean It's hard to evaluate how bad Frankfurt necessarily were. I thought they had uh, a decent they game, had, especially in the second half when they yeah. brought on what was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, they got better when they changed. Yeah, Lindstrom, uh, Lindstrom, Lindstrom sorry. And, yeah, and Jens Petrhauge. Yeah, I mean, like to give a little context to their kind of season start, like they, you know, they had this horrible start in the cup with, you know, losing to. Mark Schnatterer and, and, and Mannheim. And, and like, it wasn't that they lost to Mannheim. It was that, that they could have given up like four, five, six goals. And like, they had to basically bench Tuta. They had to bench Lentz um, and like a couple other guys because of just how horrible it went. So I, I, it was like, I don't know. It was, it was something that they were trying to do. And then, and then obviously this thing didn't work in the, in the first half. And then once they kind of switched to this, like, Four two three one, and then eventually, when they took out Hasebe for Hrustic, they they had basically a four one four one, which was super offensive, and then they got broken open. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, but what do you make of this one quote a, by by Marco Ro by Marco Rosso, who said that oh the change yeah yeah that Marco mm -hmm. Royce came to me at one point and said, "Coach, let's play four two three one because Frankfurt are playing differently with a four one four one," and I said, "Okay, if the captain senses that one uh, that on the pitch." Then we'll do that, and I like that. I mean, obviously, I like it. I, um, I think there's a tendency to maybe make too much of that, and like, I mean, I mean, it probably happens all the every... time, but it's it's so nice for Rosa to yeah. just you know say that it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's more the psychological aspect of of supporting your player, like a little bit how like Nagelsmann is doing this with, with Stanisic now, like he's talking of Stanisic in, in the sense <laughs> where you know, like. It's not like Dortmund don't have a guy who is up in the video analysis um, sort of point high up and he's giving all this information and he's telling them. And it's like not like they don't have Rene Maric who's on the sidelines. Like, I mean, this is a guy who founded a tactics blog, for God's sake. Like, I'm sure these guys know, they recognize, <laughs> like, it, and especially if, they, if it's, a, it's also because it's a halftime switch to, you know, back four and then they they withdraw Hasebe for stitch. Like you have to be, I mean, like, and I think it's, there's a lot of credit to Royce, of course, and I don't want to take that away, but it's also like, it's not, you know, it's not like it's mind blowing. No, <laughs> um, but thing. I still find it interesting. It's also, the dynamic. Like, it's also, yeah, you should give him credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's good. And it's good. You should give him the credit for sure. But you know what I mean? Like it's also, there's also other times when Dortmund played a four, two, three, one, when, you know, when they would just, you know, like they would just drop Bellingham deeper and, Yeah, and like these formations are not set in stone, especially like knowing Rosa and Nene Maric, they, they, you know, it's much more about different versions and occupation of spaces and things like that. And it's much more about, you know, especially with Royce, like he, he can be, he can be such a difference maker and, and he was such a difference maker. So, but yeah, it's definitely, I think in terms of the responsibility, it's a good thing. And, and, Maybe now with Sancho gone, this this could be kind of the the you know and, and if Royce, Royce can stay healthy. Like this could be kind of the the team that that he can kind of lead. And especially if Humo's like okay, he's going to be back at some point. But but you know I think Delaney's leaving. So like there is some sort of a leadership opportunity there for him to take. And especially like if it's you know Bellingham and 
and Reyna and, and Alan, like all these kind of younger guys around him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, he's, I, I think he's more and more growing into it. You know, I, I feel like at first when he was team captain, it felt a little strange, but by now it, it makes way more sense. You know, he's grown way more into the role over the, the last years. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think the, the way this team is working right now, the way they're communicating and the the flow, the lot of rotations you see, um, yeah, you know, mm. it's... It's very positive for the start of the season because I, I warned earlier, you know, it's it's almost a habit that Dortmund blow out opponents at uh, the first game and then all the troubles start later. But I feel like we're seeing already a pretty solid foundation and keep in mind that Dortmund did certainly not have the best players on the field. Um, but that being said, I thought Nico Schulz had a really good game. Uh, maybe he should have had an assist when he... Uh, had opted for a pass to Hazard instead of shooting it himself. You already pointed out that pass like yeah. was not, uh, you know, a nightmare, <laughs> and uh, had good progression moments. I I, I think Bellingham and uh, Dahoud both played extremely well. I I really like the emotional energy that yeah. uh, Bellingham also had with the with the fans. I think that was his first game with twenty five thousand people in the stands, and obviously Haaland feeding off of that mm -hmm. as well. Uh, was more energetic as well. I think I, I saw Adam Dorowski tweet earlier that um, in this game alone, yeah. uh, Haaland had like five passes into the box, which is like a... I don't know if it's a record, but uh, he had like all of 17 in, in the previous games. So, um, yeah, if Haaland plays like this, uh, it's it's going to be a real interesting fight between him, him and Lewandowski, I guess, uh, who gets the... Uh, the Toyga Kanone. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is obviously if he uh, manages to to play passes like that uh, consistently as a playmaker because you were talking about his hold up play earlier and uh, if if he manages to bring this all together which obviously is really hard to do and uh, especially at this age um then uh, that will unleash so many other players like Royce or Hazard and obviously even Reyna. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the season now based off uh, the uh, couple of games we've seen and uh, let's say the tactical adjustments that Rose did. I have to rewatch the game again because I didn't find the time yet, but I would say just from the first game I watched it, I think that Dortmund press a little bit more aggressively and uh, more importantly than uh, back in the day, <laughs> they also press collectively. That's uh, that's certainly something I, I notice every time if Dortmund press, whether it's just, you know, the first line or just Haaland going for it and the rest sort of, uh, you know, too hesitant. Or if it's if it's uh, a pressing where players uh, find the, the right impulse and, and go uh, immediately, you know whether there's any hesitation in pressing or not. And I think it's improved drastically already. Uh, I think in the uh, little summer preparation Dortmund had, I think if Dortmund or Rose worked on that particular subject, I think um, we could see a little bit of success. Obviously, these are all professionals and they don't need that much work on it to, to do it. But still, um, you know, I feel like doing a good pressing is still a lot about the, the mindset and how much confidence you have on the field. And uh, from what I've seen, I've been impressed. I, I want to hear your take on it, though. Yeah, I'm, I mean, be really tough to disagree with that. Like, I I watched some of the preseason. I think the, the Bologna match was the one that I watched pretty closely. And was that was a really impressive first half against, you know, Bologna team that I think actually just went out of the cup now. But, um, you know, like, it's a... Decent possession team, place for three, whatever. Um, and then the, the cup game against Wiesbaden, and, and I mean, that was one of those where, like, I, I did the studio, and it was like seven minutes in. It could have been two, three, zero, and the the Wiesbaden keeper was like having the the game of his life. And then, you <laughs> as know, per like, usual. Uh, and then Haaland, obviously, yeah. And then Haaland went kind of nuts. Like, I, I just looked at the shot creating actions for Haaland, and he had nine of those in in this this match against Frankfurt, and. To put that into context, I think Neymar was leading the big five leagues with eight per game. Sancho was at like five and a half. So <laughs> just, you know, like obviously it's one match and whatever. But um, yeah, it was, that's really impressive. Uh, pressing, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say like the pressing was the most impressive part of it. Although I think it was, 
No, but I'm was, trying was, to, uh, to, to look at what changed. Also, and I, I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the intensity for sure has changed and, and also they're playing higher. Yeah. They're taking more risk. Again, it's also unlikely against Wiesbaden and Frankfurt who, like Frankfurt, very uh, deliberately didn't want to build out of the back. And it's... Uh, I mean, Glasner's teams don't do that anyway. They're doing a little bit of that last season, but they certainly didn't want any part of that. And they just, like, very quickly played long balls and which is interesting when you have Rafael Santos Boré, who's like small guy and Kamada and Barco, like neither of those guys are, you know, aerial winners, but uh, I guess they tried that. Yeah. I guess that's a, that's a subject for the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast to discuss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what's impressive is like how this makeshift back line when you had, you know, all these injuries and, you know, like none of Hummels, Guerrero and Chan have, have played and, you know, Munier is, 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 is has this, the COVID thing and then obviously missing Brandt as well. And um, and then you have a new keeper who I think, you know, Kobel, um, actually he's been, we, we, we talked about that kind of off the air is like how his, uh, you know, coming off the line and confidence and these kind of things. And, um, you know, he has a commanding presence, I think, and, and kind of, I think you guys were talking about this on one of the earlier shows, how he, directs the defenders and you could definitely see some of that and you know probably a little bit unlucky to to con- certainly unlucky to concede the pass like goal but um that that that's an improvement as well i think akanji just even in this game just like there was a couple times where you know he can like with frankfurt only pressing with one one forward he you you know your job as a center back is then you have space you need to attack that space and he did a really good job of carrying the ball um, and and making making some yet also made some really good diagonal passes to Azar um, as well and while not really neglecting any of his defensive responsibilities and putting in the tackles and you know and, and you know doing all the things that he needs to do um, I thought it was given the injuries and the age for Vitzel like you know coming back from that to put in this performance was was pretty cool um, and. Although I don't think he's going to play in the Super Cup, but um, that's a nice one. I mean, and then, you know, as I same, I agree with you with Schultz. Like he had that really amazing uh, line-breaking pass and against East Baden. And even in this game, probably a little unlucky not to get more. And then we talked about Paslak, who, you know, as I mentioned, like his ball progression and, and even like some of the defensive stuff. Like he, he looked okay. Like he had four tackles, which not something you associate with him. And yeah, I, I think... Given given that, and to have like you know like okay, it's Wiesbaden and Frankfurt who are kind of in trouble, but but like you know, it's and <laughs> pretty conf- pretty confident wins. So I, I think you know certainly like you could have and you could have come out of this with with much worse. So yeah, overall like you have to be ecstatic. I mean, yeah, there were a couple moments where the game could have tilted in the in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Maybe when uh, Frankfurt got a little bit more on the front foot. I mean the the first. Uh, chance just right out of the gate in the second half where Kobel makes a really good save. Yeah, Santos Bore. Yeah. Yeah. Santos Bore had like two or three of those. And there, there were a couple of close calls where Dortmund's defense was not 100% tidy. So, um, you know, don't get too euphoric about uh, any title race just yet. But uh, I, I think um, uh, for that, it was really good. And, uh, you know, we've chatted during the game, I, I'm very impressed with Kobel, especially him coming off the line and uh, mm-hmm. not hugging uh, sort of his, his own goal. You know, with Bucky, it always felt like a bit he had, he had glue on his boots and just couldn't get forward. And uh, in this case, there were a couple of situations where uh, he came off his line and uh, prevented a, a Frankfurt counterattack. And then there was this one somewhat undercooked back pass by Paslak, which could have ended uh, yeah. quite horribly, but uh, Kobe was there. And um, this is exactly what I want from a Dortmund keeper. I think this is the way Dortmund play. Uh, this is exactly what you need. So I am super happy to see uh, this sort of style from a goalkeeper right away. Um you know, for, for for me, that that makes me more happy than insane Gola and saves or whatnot because we knew mm-hmm. uh, Burki was already really good in that department, and we all know that Kobel does that. But it's it's more about uh, you know the 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 judgment he makes, and it was an error free performance, and this is what I'm looking forward to. So um, ob- obviously with this risk, every every now and then he will be caught out, but it's it's 
probably rare and the, the way he plays um yeah really helps Dortmund in the build up and makes them all around a more balanced and better team and I think uh having only seen one game and obviously in the long term but I I think uh, the money on him uh was was worth it and Dortmund will benefit massively from it no I I agree like I, I was I mean I, I watched probably like almost all of the Stuttgart matches and I've been kind of keeping tabs on on Koba as well like as a as a keeper who was at Hoffenheim and then Augsburg and he was a guy like I think should have gotten a chance kind of sooner but like his his shot stopping numbers were never really all that crazy but then Nicky would have all these like eye-popping games against like Leipzig and yet you know kind of the rising to the occasion thing and um obviously you know but it wasn't like it's not, it's not like he had like spectacular numbers in terms of you know post shot xg and, and these kind of things like he was you know it wasn't like he wasn't among the the top keepers at all but like what what i think we should point out is that it's you know it's like Jan Zomer is a good example like he was at like minus seven goals last season you know and and then you know i think a lot of these metrics and I'm, as you know i'm pretty big lever in metrics goalkeepers is like the hardest position to evaluate because you just don't have sample size in terms of shots you face and then there's also so many things like it's very dependent on the style so like to be a goalkeeper for Dortmund is, is a little bit different than for Stuttgart because they play with a back three and the goalkeeper isn't used as much and whereas with Dortmund if you play with you know uh, a back four and then then you know basically two two people in the center back you, you you might have to be more involved and distribution has to be better or you you're certainly higher off the line. Like I think um, just, just, just in terms of uh, like the, the, the being off the line and um, those kind of things, like that's, that's a, a completely different, you know, type of type of animal when it, when it comes to playing for Dortmund and playing for, for Stuttgart. So like um, uh, Kobel um, in, in, in this, in this statistic, you have the sort of average distance that you have the defensive actions so Stuttgart is just like 13 yards from his goal, and it, in Dortmund it's 19 yards. So he's like a good five, six yards higher on average, because that's what's required of him. And and he's very good at those things. So it, on a team like Dortmund, that's going to be more valuable. Yeah. Because so so you want him, but like you know, if he's like if he's if he's playing for these kind of teams, which which don't ask that from the keeper. So that's what I mean is that you can't just kind of transport some of those things you know it, it has to be on time and maybe that's something Dortmund saw and, and that's why it, it makes sense or the same thing as you said about leadership or you know command of the box I mean there's several ways to evaluate goalkeepers I you know I think there's there's much more of this stuff and and I, I myself I'm not really much of an expert on it although I've been kind of getting into a little bit with, with some of the other projects I do and and uh, I mean we, we did a podcast with um, uh, goalkeeper coach who is at uh, the New York Red Bulls, and and that's what he that's what he said. You know, it's it's this this is still such an underexplored, undercoached area of the game, and uh, you know, there's so many things where you know some teams you know will, will have. I, I I mean, you know, how many teams have like the the typical goalkeeper coach who is like the ex keeper who just kind of needs a job? Like, I still think there's 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 still a lot of those kind of around, and you know, like do they really get the best training? It's, it's hard to say, but um, then you, then you also have teams who are really serious about it. And then you also have, you know, scouting and then you also have these kind of things. So I think in, in, in that sense, the signs with, with Kobol are really, really positive. Yeah. To surmise, he's a keeper. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I could endlessly talk about this game. Also uh, the fact that uh, I think Dortmund, uh, did they, did they finish the game with four strikers on the field? I think they brought on Mokoko, uh, Tigges and Malen, obviously. Yeah. Tigges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. All the, all the- so obviously in the Favre era, that would have been absolutely unheard of. Um, <laughs> And yeah. and there's one one other thing I wanted to mention briefly, and it was only brief periods in the second half, but there were moments where Dortmund managed to take the the speed out of the game and just have some mm-hmm. good old dead possession. And uh, when you mm-hmm. have dead possession, <laughs> then uh, the good news usually is uh, you you sort of control the game, you control the tempo, but. Uh, what you must not do is then give the ball away cheaply or uh, 
sort of lull yourself to sleep and then get sucker punched. And Dortmund managed to avoid that. And I, I think um, having some mature possession, if you will, and, um, you know, as, as a whole team managing to, to sort of take a breather while not affording uh, the other team any any real opportunities is uh, a skill that not that many teams have because uh, it, it, it takes some adjustment in game. And I think... Uh, the way Dortmund facilitated that, especially on match day one, where the automatisms are maybe not as crisp as they were in the previous season, I, I think is impressive. And uh, obviously, mm -hmm. it's also good to do against a team that's coached by Glasner. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I just wanted to point it out real quick because uh, these are also things that in, in, impress me and uh, make me uh, uh, so, sort of happier about Dortmund's outlook overall because... Uh, Obviously, when you have like a two-goal lead or so, these are things you need to do in a long season. And uh, seeing Dortmund do it adequately uh, to to me was nice. No, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Like, I, I think that that that's impressive, and um, it also helps when you're five-one up. So it's like it's kind of really hard to to, to get away the game from there. Yeah, but they also, I think, already did it when they like were three-one three, yeah. up. But. Um, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how much there was to say about the substitutes. Obviously, Thomas Eleni was uh, caught napping uh, when uh, Hauges got the um, yeah. the set piece uh, that was his marker, where he just you know got left for dead. But uh, also a classic goal for Dortmund to concede at the back post, basically one deflection and then uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know we we've seen we've seen it multiple times and. Uh, especially against a team like uh, Frankfurt, it can happen. And, uh, you know, it's it's annoying, obviously, but uh, I hope Dortmund do work on it and improve a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I think Marlon wasn't really that impressive once he came on. I uh, feel like he just tried to dribble a little bit too much. Didn't quite find his feet yet. But, uh, you know, I, I think these things will take some time as well. To get in there, I, I thought he looked very positive in the, in the cup game after he came on. But yeah, I think Rosa said something about that, where like he needs to kind of get into get into kind of door, sort of the shape or, or like just to be you know be, be more. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, he's uh, he joined them. Yeah, he joined was them a little bit of, too close to his transfer was announced, but it was but it was it was I think it was in the Badrakats training camp or something when he joined them. But uh, yeah, you can't really expect him to to. To, to play there although, although it's interesting like when the super cup with, with with hazard like the outlet that you know how how that how that comes up but uh yeah i mean he it's almost like when you have you know i think Gio Reyna also had three three goal contributions like you you still you know it's like do you really do you i, I mean i do what do you need out of uh, um malin when when everything else is kind of uh, right thinking, so yeah i think this is this is maybe the most positive takeaway to knock it on the head here the uh the the whole frankfurt review uh that the fact that marlon wasn't really needed to be honest that he had some uh sort of garbage time to to uh you know mm -hmm. get acclimatized and uh that's about it so yeah i i think it was a 10 out of 10 performance uh from Haaland, yeah. a, a world-class performance but uh, more importantly the team performance uh was on the level that it needed to be and now we'll see tomorrow well, today, whenever you're listening to this, uh, how the Super Cup against Bayern Munich will fare, uh, who were, I don't know, I, I thought they were quite unimpressive in the first half against Gladbach, but as this game progressed, they became better, but then also um. at the end didn't really have that many chances to, to be called the more dominant side or whatnot. I don't know uh, how, how you... Mm how you see it, but uh, I, I, I would like your take on uh, Bayern's side against Gladbach, mm -hmm. where they traditionally always struggle. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of been their bogey team, of course, and I thought like the... the I mean, I watched a lot of Gladbach in preseason and some of the games and wasn't really impressed with them at all, and although I'm a big fan of Adi Hitter, and, and um, you know, they did a really nice job with particularly Joe Scali, who's Kind of been the star. <laughs> I've never heard of this guy. And all of a sudden, yeah, he plays like, lights out football on the left side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he went there from January from NYCFC, and yeah, but he only you know, like to wait until he turns or something. Yeah, because they had to because they had to wait until he turns eighteen. Oh, really? Um, 
Uh, yeah, and so so, but but he's he's a guy who can play like right back and left back. And since Benzabaini's out, he's been he's been playing a lot. And just the physicality of him, as like he held his own against Leroy Sané, which is is no small thing. But what impressed me more about um, Gladbach is is how just they had this pressing net, um, but basically kind of um, like like a four three three or four three two one shape, and pretty much like. Stanisic was getting a lot of pressure and like I didn't think Goretzka and Kimmich had a particularly good game and we we saw Upamecano struggle as well <laughs> and usual. then I think the adjust yeah and then like so they were able to generate a lot of the chances and then it's just like um you know they're playing this kind of style clutch right like you know just kind of hit it hit vertical to lay off and then you know you have the chance um, when you when you get the turnover, and then Nagelsmann adjusted by basically like bringing in Stanisic as kind of an inverted fullback and putting uh, Zane and Miller wide. So what that did is it kind of broke the the press because it, it that meant that you had to bring um, other people inside and you had to kind of defend the half space, and then you basically kind of led basically allowed Bayern to progress. And that, that after that, once they got into the final third, although like their structure sometimes was just like, you know, three guys at the back or two with, with Stanisic and then three is sort of in the middle and then like five guys up front and then wasn't always a lot of connectivity. And they also under hit some passes, um, things like that. Uh, but, you know, they also got out. We have Alfonso Davis, who like everybody said he wasn't going to play 90 minutes and he just, you know, bombed up and down and broke the speed record, I think, until Haaland took it from him. But, yeah, they started generating all these chances. I mean, Jan Zomer had eight saves in the box, I think, after 65 minutes, and, like, four or five of them were just, like, ridiculous. And a couple of other ones were, like, he got hit. And, and you know, like, it, 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 it also seemed like it's kind of, you know, by the time Bayern got their set-piece goal, like, they probably should have scored two or three um, in that one. So... Uh, overall and then like the game changed again when Turam was brought in and they basically kind of Bayern almost were lucky that I mean certainly were lucky not to give away like I mean I, they did give away two penalties that that uh, I, I'm still not sure like how at least one of those with Turam getting in front of Upenkano um, which one do you think was more blamed VAR. though when he was pulled down in the box mm. by Tur- uh, by Upamecano or when when uh, he was right in front and then sort of brought down because I think the the first one I think yeah, I got think reviewed I, right and there there was a no call yeah. but I I I usually the second think, one didn't get reviewed yeah yeah this uh, for for I I don't know to to me that's that's a slam dunk penalty I think um Martin Rafeld is always uh, uh yeah arguing about yeah, yeah, yeah. when 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 there's another player hitting you from the back sort of that's that's right, always right, a clear right. foul and to it's me it's the is. Sterling it's the Sterling one right like from the Euros right the Raheem Sterling one yeah yeah I agree as well like if you ever played football like even at like the lowest li- level like what you're always taught as a, as an attacking player is to get your body in front and claim the space from the defender because then he can only foul you from behind and and then basically you know if you're a striker or attacking player you're kind of taught that okay if you get contact you know it's it's fine if you go down right like and I think that happened like certainly those things happen and Upamecano I mean he's I'm a big fan of Upamecano I think it's pretty uh, safe to say and but he's been known to give away like I think even his very first game he gave away uh, in his debut a penalty to Franco Di Santo and he can give away the clumsy penalties and make those kind of mistakes so I think to get away with that and and, and that was a really like Again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a rooting interest in those games, but I, I thought Bayern were pretty, pretty lucky, and I think even like a lot of the Bayern fans were, were saying that, that they, they got lucky that they don't understand how they got away with that one. But uh, I think overall, just like based on the general course of the game, how, how like I looked at the the running XG for for the game and the chance creation, and like after the first 10, 15 minutes when when Gladbach had the the chances, it was. Like maybe it was like 0.6 and then um, 0.5, 0.6. And then it was like that, basically flatline until they brought in Turam and then they had the chances there. So I think overall, like, yeah, it's 2-2 or something like that. Maybe even Bayern edging it would have been more fair. But um, yeah, it's certainly the job. Sometimes. Do you think we can expect to Bayern field the same uh, team they played against Gladbach uh, again on Tuesday? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think the only there hasn't really been any other updates in terms of their their squad. The Toliso, I think, is now back. Like he, he, I mean, he doesn't really have a place to stay, and like he's a guy that they've been trying to sell, and yeah, this COVID thing now. So, I think uh, Lucas Hernandez is still only training kind of individually, but like Toliso is probably going to come back to to be on the bench, and you know, um, I think. Stanisic is a guy who's going to start because, you know, Pavar is out and, you know, Bunasar is, is Bunasar. So um, they don't, they don't really like him. And I think Chris Richards is not someone they want to play as a fullback. And Stanisic has been somebody that Nagelsmann has been really hyping up. And um, I think it's much more of the social competence part of it. And, and Nagelsmann, although he has been decent in the, in the, in the preseason, but it's going to be, I think the same, the same, um, same 11, um, yeah, I think Zane, although he didn't have a good start, like eventually he had a pretty strong game. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you can't really drop any of the Kimmich Müller, Goretzka, Lewandowski guys. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Zula over Nianzu was, was kind of a thing that, because uh, Nianzu played all of preseason and then like everybody thought that they're selling Zula and then obviously Zula and Nagelsmann have a connection. But uh, yeah, I guess, I guess even Nagelsmann just said that because he's an established Bundesliga player. So I kind of think that for that reason, like he's going to play in the Super Cup as well. Uh, although depending on who takes the Super, Super Cup seriously, but I think Bayern kind of have to now, right? After after this thing and after the way Dortmund started out. I mean, if you look at Bayern's form, uh, if you include the preseason, yeah. they, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they've lost anything. to Cologne. I think that was, uh, wasn't at the last game of the season or something. Um, they, they drew against Ajax and they lost against Gladbach and then obviously uh, a 3 nothing loss against uh, Napoli and now again a 1-1 mm. draw against uh, Gladbach. So obviously... Yeah, will, will they ever win again? Yeah, exactly. But results-wise, it hasn't been uh, smooth sailing for Bayern as usually is. So um, yeah, if, I, if I'm looking forward to this game, I'm like, if I had to pick a scoreline prediction or something like that, I'd probably go for like a 4-3 win for Dortmund or something I, I feel like uh, it's it's going to be the sort of game where yeah. uh, both teams like, will have their strengths in attack, but not necessarily in defense. I will. I'm also intrigued whether um, Witzel really will start or not because of, mm. you know he he just came back and a lot of players. Need yeah, to... I, I, that seemed like that seemed like it would be counterintuitive, right? Like to have a guy that. Yeah, so maybe Papadopoulos from... will then play next to Akanji or so. But otherwise, I don't mm. expect too many changes, uh, except for, of, of course, uh, Torgan Hazard, who uh, Marco Rosa said he had ankle issues already going into the Frankfurt match, and uh, I think the uh, spot got a little bit more swollen, so he'll be out. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be Marlon, but to me, that's the perfect game to like uh, let him off the leash and, and have him start this game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to, to see how, how he will behave, but... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping also that maybe Royce doesn't play for longer than like 60, 70 minutes. I don't think. Yeah. Guess yeah. maybe you can you can bring in like Delaney in midfield and then put like Reyna as the winger if you're playing this kind of this kind of a 43 again or I don't know, it could 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 also be a, a diamond. I think ideally what you, what you would want to do is is to Stretch Kimmich and Goretzka because they, like they that was kind of the interesting part of it and and obviously I think you know as in a larger context like none of these guys are have had much of an off season right after no. the Euros or they or they but they, they had an off season but they didn't have a preseason I guess like or, or one or the other right like you know so so they you know it's they're not going to be in top shape and I mean even I think we saw Neuhaus had like cramps after 79 minutes and and you certainly saw Kimmich and Kimmich had much more of his like you know, Aaron passes and Goretzka had a lot of these kind of positional errors, which are kind of unusual. And yeah. And I think, as you said about the high score line, like Davies, you know, his defensive positioning is still some, the, the part of his game that needs to work on, you know, Uwe Meccano, obviously, um, shaky and, and Zula has been, has been shaky as well. And then you Dorf Dortmund with probably Papadopoulos and this back for like, I think everything is set for the, and I think it would be fun to have like a, you know, six, seven game or something like that. And, you know, I think it's an advertisement for the Bundesliga as well. Like it's, it's, it's actually not bad. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's, 
I think that that'd be good. Now that was probably going to be like having that was probably going to be like zero zero. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know, but I I foresee uh, uh, a lot of goals in this game. To be honest, you know, if I were a gambling guy, I'd probably go for the uh, three and a half plus goals for the over. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I I don't I don't see any of those teams being at their height of their abilities yet. Obviously. Um, you just mentioned the uh, lack of preseason. I, I think most of the Bayern players actually didn't have anything really. So um, yeah, they had I think ten ten days or so when when they kind of I think it was like they mentioned that somewhere where uh, like Lewandowski and all those guys like they had maybe ten days and which is you know we normally think about a preseason is usually five six weeks if you're if you're a coach you're trying to plan for that. I mean obviously that's that's always unlikely now with with all of these different things, but. When you compare that to basically a week and a half, I mean that's you know so, yeah, yeah, in, in, interesting. Obviously, uh, I still want Dortmund to win the Super Cup. <laughs> uh, you know, it could be a nice little boost for them. Um, you know, it's not going to be devastating if they if they lose it, but uh, nevertheless, uh, it it should make up for uh, you know it it should make up a really nice uh, setting, as you said. I think in terms of Bundesliga advertisement. Um, this should be a good one, and obviously uh, Dortmund have Super Cup MVP Felix Paslak in their ranks. So, <laughs> well, let let's see what kind of performance he brings out. I, I think he had uh, this one legendary Super Cup performance uh, against Ribery. <laughs> yeah, who I think came back for the was it some sort of testimonial with, with, with Boateng and there like the the rumors of Ribery coming back. Like, can they just bring him back for the Super Cup? I feel like I mean, why not? It'd be it'd just be like. Ribery passed like round two, right? Like, why not? The good old times. Yeah, I, I, I think this one was already shot down by was a Khan <laughs> or someone. <laughs> There's no yeah, chance of yeah. Ribery coming back to Bayern, which, which, uh, uh, I'm actually quite glad about, to be honest. I, yeah, yeah, I guess. On second thought, you know, I mean, at least Bayern fans would be excited, but yeah, like we probably have had enough of the, the Ribery eye, eye poking in this kind of. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah, is there anything else to preview? Anything uh, particular that people should look out for? Uh, how Dortmund line up against Bayern? I mean, the the lineup itself should be pretty mm. simple. It should be Kobel, Paslak, Itzela, Kanji, or or Papadopoulos, yeah, Kanji. I mean, then you have Schulz. I I guess Dahoud will play. Reno will play. Bellingham will play. I think Royce and Marlon, and then Haaland up front will play. Do you think it's gonna be a four three three or more of a diamond? I think I think it's in in some ways like with with not having Torgan Hazard, there might be a better chance of a diamond with you know with with Malen or Tigas who are much more of a striker as opposed to like a wider player. Although like Malen is is comfortable wide, I think probably don't want to have Tigas wide. But um, <laughs> so I think maybe just be, just because of that, it's 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 likelier. And then just also against Bayern, who you know like to have the two midfielders and Kimmich and then um, having Müller back so you could potentially have an advantage there with, with, with a diamond four against three I guess is is, is much more likely there um, it's it's also like I mean I think you know I think Rosa talked about this in one of the interviews or press conferences that they, there's going to be matches where they play with the back three and I think maybe in like a league game they they could do something like that if they had healthy people, but now I think this isn't really the time to break it out. Like, I think mean, now you just kind of go with this, which has been working and, and then you can just make smaller adjustments and, you know, maybe use Delaney there to start and then, you know, or you put him in to kind of secure a result. But like, I think it's very likely that you're going to have Bellingham out there and then Reyna with, with, with Royce to start and Dahoud, I think that does, does four preset. And the, I think the back line is kind of like, you really don't know. You only have like four, four healthy defenders, and then Haaland, and then really like the Malen or Tigges, you know, depending on who you need. But um, yeah, I think that's there's not really there's not really much of a not too many other choices, I guess. Yeah, I, I really wonder what Nagelsmann's plan will be uh, on how to shut down uh, Mahmoud Ahut because I feel like if you don't uh, account for him in particular, he will have an absolute mm -hmm. field day against Bayern and. Uh, Cause a lot of uh, Restverteidigung <laughs> for Bayern, which yeah, uh, in, in the past hasn't, hasn't been too well, to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, probably like the, what they would want to do is have, you know, the wingers kind of press inside and, you know, you'd rather concede possession to Paslak and Schultz kind of any day of the week. Um, and then you can kind of overshift with with Davies who, you know, ha- like Davies certainly has the closeout speed that that I think nobody really else has. So in, in certain situations, you can use him to press like the fullback and then, just, just uh, you know, have uh, a Müller or Goretzka press up on the hood, and and maybe like have the other winger press the center back, and then have Lewandowski press you know, Kanji or the right center back. So um, I think there's there's, there's different ways. Uh, I think the key is is much more about you know how they will do their rest defense, as you said. Like, will they stay with like a plus one and basically play two against one in Thailand, or will they kind of try to go one on one with Upamecano? Which I think like. In theory, that that's I don't know. I mean, even in theory, it's probably not a good idea. But like having <laughs> seen say. him struggle against Tiram, I mean, yeah. Like, but I think like out of any defender in world football, to the extent that you can leave him when we won, I mean, there's Upamecano would seem to be there in the top sort of five, like other than like a healthy Van Dyke or Varan or you know some of these guys. But um, yeah, I think now you kind of and maybe you'll do it for certain periods of the game, but. I think now in, in the beginning they'll probably just start with, you know, with with, with him and with Upamecano and Zule against Haaland and just kind of, you know, you'd, you'd much rather kind of cheat off of the other striker or, you know, maybe use Stanisic in a more like, you know, in, inside role and things like that and then go from there. But um, in general, I think Nagelsmann, you know, doesn't press as higher and his pressing scheme is is much like much more conservative and space oriented than 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 flicks like flicks was very like you know balls to the wall you know kind of uh i mean they they played the highest line of anybody obviously and they i guess one it really wasn't doing that at leipzig like it's it's much more situational and uh much more based on things and it's much more space oriented than 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 it's like you know than than what uh flick who just almost seemed like careless at times and he said like the reward of getting the ball high is is uh, is is better and it's greater than the risk of giving up a goal. And I think Nagelsmann isn't thinking that way. He's much more of the let's try to you know build out of the back and let's maybe even have defensive possession and and not generate so much with with the pressing or not in every game or maybe he'll do it for bigger games. But um, like I'm not sure if he'll gonna he's gonna like I actually would bet against that that he's gonna like you know come up with some crazy pressing scheme against Dortmund this <laughs> yeah who knows I mean this is sort of still a very uh, blank canvas especially the Super Cup is uh, where a lot of things can be tried out I, I think the uh, term glorified friendly sort of uh, dubs it quite well so yeah I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to the game because there's zero pressure really <laughs> of course until you hear the first whistle and then you desperately want to win this match but <laughs> other than that uh you know, I'm not going to be uh, in a nervous sweat like in the Champions League semi-final, for example. Is all I'm saying. Anyway, Abel, I think this is a good time to knock it on the head. Um, we've already lo- sort of dabbled into scoreline predictions, but uh, now you're hard-pressed. Uh, your one chance to get it right. What's it going to be? Uh, I'm going to go with like the 5-4 win for Dortmund. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with something, something stupid like that. All right, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm having a four-two win for Dortmund actually. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how how this uh, pans out in the end. But uh, yeah, for for now, I'm uh, looking forward to it, and obviously looking forward to uh, discussing the match afterward and uh, see how the hoot fared against Nagelsmann's traps. Anywho, um. You can follow Abel at BundesPL on Twitter. Uh, is there anything you want to plug, Abel? Mm, no, not not really. I guess like basically just just in terms of the newsletter that I, I will maybe occasionally do. I'm kind of got a lot of different things in terms of my my work. I will be doing some Champions League this season. Maybe hopefully hopefully from from Dortmund at some point, and I can get back there. Although uh, I don't think anybody's really comfortable making too many travel plans but yeah that maybe i mean obviously i think uh bundesliga coverage is something i'm looking to do more of since uh the network that i'm on doesn't show the bundesliga anymore so um yeah you could 
plugging myself i guess and, <laughs> and if you if you're if you're interested in in hiring me and if you're you know these kind of things obviously uh you're, you're more than welcome to reach out either on twitter or some of the other various places i guess but uh yeah none none no no work and in terms of uh, of any note that I would want to plug, but mostly I'm just here to advertise myself. You know, the, like I think I think somebody said that the best candidate for the job is me. <laughs> all right, you can follow me on Twitter at Stefan Butzko. You can follow all of us at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to subscribe to this show, please do so via iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Obviously, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel which is findable if you just type in yellow wallpot in one word in YouTube and you'll find our channel and can subscribe to it uh, and uh, listen to the show there if you're so inclined. If you want to support financially, you can always go to our Patreon, which is on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And uh, that should be it for now. We will be back uh, recording another episode on Thursday to discuss how the Super Cup went and obviously how uh, Dortmund will fare against Freiburg. But until then, as always, thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>